Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Regular seasons are wrapping up across junior hockey. The AJHL playoffs are into the semifinals. And a national champion is about to be crowned in the NCAA. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Gee Flaming. It's great to chat with you once again. Right up front, if my voice sounds a little weird, it's because I I have been under the weather for about uh, eight or nine days now. Not COVID-related. I've uh, tested multiple times. Uh, Keeps coming back negative. In fact, I I was a little surprised. I actually thought that maybe I had uh, contracted a COVID-19 for the first time. I haven't had it yet. Uh, and that's why I thought that that's what the situation was. But it keeps telling me I'm uh, negative. So it seems like just a uh, good old-fashioned flu or a cold uh, for me. Getting better, but uh, was not able to go to the All Kings game uh, last weekend and uh, have uh, been on the shelf for the better part of uh, eight days, eight, nine days now. Oil Kings' uh, final home game of the regular season is this weekend, and I uh, would really like to be there for that one because it should be a terrific game. Anyway, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky with two locations in Spruce Grove and the original in Leduc. Either one of them uh, well-equipped to uh, satisfy your beef jerky cravings and other meat as well. And if you're in Western Canada, you don't have to make the drive to Alberta, that's for sure. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. It comes vacuum sealed. It's absolutely fresh on delivery and uh, so delicious. Wilhock Beef Jerky. Go to W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. You will thank me for it. Let them know the pipeline show saying. Let's get right to the news and notes. And we'll start, as we usually do, with the CHL's top 10. The first time this season an OHL club is atop uh, the, uh, the charts. The Hamilton Bulldogs, who are uh, red hot right now, as I'm speaking with you, they've got an 11-point cushion atop the OHL's Eastern Conference without a loss in their last 10 games, in regulation, that is. Uh, But they are sitting atop the uh, CHL's top 10 ranking, in large part because Winnipeg lost, Edmonton lost twice last weekend, so the WHL uh, team's all sliding sliding down a little bit. Uh, Winnipeg's still 2, Everett is 3, the Oil Kings are 4, and the top team out of the queue are the Quebec Rampart, 
Windsor is six. Charlottetown, Kamloops, North Bay, and the Sherbrooke Phoenix round out the top ten. Honorable mentions this week go to Portland, St. John, and Acadie Bathurst. Really feel like a Red Deer getting snubbed here. That's a, that's a quality team. We saw the Oil Kings lose to Red Deer twice last weekend. That's a team I don't think anybody wants to play in the playoffs, but if everything goes uh, according to the standings, Edmonton and Red Deer could meet as early as the second round, and, and that would be an exceptional series. Jumping over to the uh, Western Hockey League, here's the playoff uh, situations. In the Western Conference, five teams have locked themselves in, Everett, Kamloops, Portland, Seattle, and Kelowna, and that's not a surprise. They've been separated from the pack uh, for a long time now. Spokane has positioned themselves very well. They've won four in a row. They are now sitting sixth, but it is a four-team race for the final three playoff spots. Spokane, Vancouver, Victoria, and Prince George separated by two points. That's it, two points. One of those teams is not going to make it. Prince George has been struggling. They are uh, winless in their last five. Vancouver winless in their last six. Vancouver has the advantage of having games in hand, uh, two or three on the other three teams. So it looks okay for Vancouver. Spokane has the most points right now, but again, very, very close. They've only got three games left, though. Victoria and Prince George. Uh, Victoria has four games left. Prince George also only has three. So that's going to go right down to the wire, and that's exciting for the fans. In the Eastern Conference, six teams have uh, guaranteed their playoff spot. Winnipeg looks uh, all but uh, guaranteed to finish in first place in the Eastern Conference. Edmonton and Red Deer are uh, two and three, separated by six points with uh, four games to go each. They play each other uh, this weekend. So mathematically still possible for Red Deer to catch Edmonton. But if I was a betting person, I'd say Edmonton is still going to lock down second. A great race for four and five. Pretty much guaranteed that Moose John and Saskatoon are going to meet each other in the first round of the playoffs. Home ice, though, to be determined. Probably Moose Jaw because they have two games in hand. The teams are separated by one point. But the Warriors in pretty good position to finish fourth and have home ice advantage in that series. The Brandon Wheat Kings could still mathematically catch Saskatoon. They're uh, five points back right now. They do have five more games to play, but the Wheaties had been struggling for so long. They've actually won three in a row as I'm speaking with you right now, so maybe turning the corner just in time for the playoffs. Seventh place are the Lethbridge Hurricanes, and they have a five-point lead now on the, the rest of the pack. It was much tighter, but Lethbridge is playing good. Then you've got Swift Current, Calgary, Prince Albert, and Regina. Only one of them will make the playoffs as the final seed to play against Winnipeg in the first round. Regina probably out of the sliding out of the picture now. They've got five games to go, but uh, they've got to leapfrog three teams to do it, and they trail Swift Current by six points right now. So looks like the Pats are going to fade out. That means Calgary with 58 points, Prince Albert with 57, and Swift Current with 59 are the trio battling for that uh, last playoff spot really Calgary and PA are you know uh, one and two points behind Swift Current but they have two games in hand Swift only has two games left to play Calgary and PA both have four and so that uh, is still a very very tight race heading over to the Ontario Hockey League only one participant in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs is yet to be determined it's going to come down to uh, either Peterborough or, or Sudbury the Peets have a five-point lead over Sudbury right now, so probably not enough time here for Sudbury. They would have to almost win out, and the Peets would really have to stumble 
Not sure what the schedule uh, shows if the if they play each other down the stretch, but looks like it's going to be the Peets who get in. In the Western Conference, three teams uh, scrapping for the last two playoff spots. Kitchener, Sarnia, and Erie are the only realistic teams to uh, get in at the bottom. Kitchener has 59, Sarnia 57, and Erie 56 points. The Rangers have six games to go. Sarnia and Erie both have five. So that's going to be a pretty close race. The regular season wrapping up, but not this weekend, but next weekend in both the WHL and the OHL. In the queue, they go until the uh, first weekend of May this year because they had that big six-week break in the middle of the season. So most teams still have 10, 11, 12 games left to go. To mention the uh, Quebec Rampart right now, the number one team in the queue. They've won their last nine consecutive games, and they uh, sit two points ahead of Charlottetown in the Eastern Conference uh, playoff standings. Good battle for the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference between Chicoutimi and uh, Baie-Como. Uh, one point separating them with 11 games left to go. The Alberta Junior Hockey League is now into the semifinals. They get going this weekend. In fact, uh, tonight, as I'm speaking with you, it's Friday. Had the Spruce Grove Saints at home to the Drayton Valley Thunder. The Thunder. I don't remember the last time they've been this far in the playoffs. Uh, great to see some new blood. And uh, they knocked off uh, Fort McMurray in the previous round. That was an upset. But Drayton Valley's been playing really good hockey. Eric Thurston, the head coach there, former head coach of the University of Alberta Golden Bears. Have to wonder if uh, that's a guy who might, if he wants to, uh, might have WHL opportunity. Uh, the Saints will be the heavy favorite, though. And on the other side, in the south, uh, Brooks will be the heavy favorite as they take on the Okotoks Oilers. But uh, the Oilers upsetting Drumheller in the second round. That one went six games. The Brooks Bandits swept Canmore in four. South of the border in the USHL. Four games, five games uh, left to go. Four or five, depending which team you are. Not much left to be decided in the Western Conference, but in the Eastern Conference, only two teams are confirmed so far for the postseason. That would be Chicago and Dubuque at the top. Muskegon and Youngstown look fairly safe. Then you've got a good battle between Madison, uh, the U.S. National Development Program, and uh, Cedar Rapids to get in. At the very least, playoff seating certainly still up for grabs in the USHL. Only four or five games left to go for most clubs in the North American Hockey League as well. Some great races still to be decided, especially in the East Division. Only one team is locked in, and it's New Jersey, and they've already guaranteed themselves top spot in the division. But Johnstown, Jamestown, Maryland, and Northeast, only separated by uh, five points uh, between them. Every team has four games left to go, so lots to be decided in that division. Same with the Midwest Division as uh, Springfield, Minnesota, Anchorage, and Janesville all scrapping it out and not separated by all that much. Springfield, I think, can still catch Fairbanks uh, for top spot in the division, but Fairbanks has confirmed them themselves a, a playoff spot. And that leads us to the NCAA, where a national champion will be crowned this weekend. We had the Frozen Four started yesterday. Great game between uh, Michigan and Denver that went to overtime and the Denver Pioneers. Uh, pulling it out, what I think a lot of people would consider to be an upset. But, you know, my guest this week, uh, I had this one unlocked on Patreon uh, because the show comes out on Friday, but the first part of the uh, the Frozen Four would already be over, so it would be unreasonable to, uh, you know, have a, a preview of games that already happened. So Brad L.H. Lossman was my guest, 
Uh, I'm still going to include that in this week's show, but it's been available for listeners all week. I talked to him, uh, what was it, on Monday, and he and I talked about it. You can make a really good argument for any one of the four teams. There is no upset here this year. Uh, You know, Denver, very, very capable of winning it all. They could have lost to Michigan, and uh, and nobody would have batted an eye. And on the other side, it's uh, Minnesota State who took down the Minnesota Golden Gophers. That one I actually thought would be a lot closer, but ended up being a 5-1 victory for the Mavericks. And uh, so I think going into Saturday's final, the Mavericks might have the the betting odds in their favor. I think Denver is going to be a really, really good game, though. But Minnesota State, with that experience uh, from being in the uh, Frozen Four last year, they've never been to the final game. But I, I think it's going to be a terrific contest. So you can watch that one on Saturday, and TSN is carrying it in Canada. So if you get a chance to watch it, uh, make sure you tune in. Both games were really, really uh, fun ones to watch, especially I thought the Michigan-Denver game was was fantastic. The Minnesota-Minnesota State game was also very good, but for me it, was not, it wasn't as dramatic because it was a 5-1. It ended up being 5-1, but a pretty, uh, pretty impressive victory for Minnesota State. So looking at the Twitter feed for Pro Stock Hockey, and uh, they have an announcement where they're they're having a giveaway starting on April 12th. They have a bunch of uh, excess inventory in their warehouse. Go to ProStockHockey.com or follow them on Twitter at ProStockHockey, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Also uh, announcing this week that uh, Howie's Tape, now at Pro Stock Hockey, get free with every stick purchase. Mix a variety three-pack, that's white, black, and clear, or choose a $15 Howie's gift card. That's ProStockHockey.com. It's your online source for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The brewery is open. The tap room is open in Red Deer. And that's one of the places where you can pick up your order when you order online. Go to TroubledMonk.com slash shop. And then you go pick up either in Red Deer at the uh, tap room, in Edmonton at the Bountiful Farmer's Market, or in Calgary at the Calgary Farmer's Market. All the details are at troubledmonk.com slash shop. And that is the same page on the website where you can check out all the varieties that you can order. And yes, there are some new ones. Ride for Dad, Munich Hells. There's a Mississippi IPA and a guava ginger wheat beer called I Showed Up in Boots. If you get into the tap room, they also have a bunch of uh, apparel that you might be interested in if you're uh, a fan of some really cool hoodies or toques or hats. Check that out. And when you're in the tap room, let her know the Pipeline Show sent you. And speaking of guests, this is what we have on tap for you this week. As I mentioned, Brad Elliott Schlossman. We'll do that first. Uh, he's going to join me. Well, he did join me on Monday, and that's why I kept it open uh, all week uh, on uh, the Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. So that, that single interview was not exclusive just for patrons this week. And I think patrons would understand uh, the reasoning behind that. But a couple of interviews that were exclusive to patrons. Luke Prokop of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Nashville Predators uh, draft pick. We talked to him about his development, uh, the stretch drive to the postseason. It's also Pride weekend on Saturday, the uh, Pride night game. It's actually Pride day because it's a 2 o'clock start. But a really great conversation with uh, Luke Prokop, uh, partly not, we didn't uh, talk about it the entire segment, but you know, remember he came out last uh, last summer, the first openly gay player who's got an NHL contract, 
So we talked a little bit about uh, the decision, how long he'd been thinking about that. Uh, but mostly it's hockey, hockey stuff. And we will close things out this week with a 2022 draft spotlight segment. Jimmy Snuggerud from Team USA, the U18 squad, a future Golden Gopher. An excellent uh, conversation with another potential first-round pick for the 2022 NHL draft. There was supposed to be another one this week. Uh, that one uh, has been pushed to Monday, so I already have a couple of guests for next week's show uh, booked because they couldn't join me this week. So just the three guests, but a terrific show. We'll start with Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald looking at the uh, four teams that are at the Frozen Four. That's first here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Second round pick of the Colorado Avalanche. Over to Gutman, to Savoy, and he's got a hat trick. Start throwing the hats. Give up the $24 hat. Throw it on the ice for Carter Savoy. This is Carter Savoy from the Sherpa Park Crusaders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. WHL Playoff Hockey returns to Rogers Place. And your 2022 Edmonton Oil Kings playoff passes are on sale now. For only $129 a seat, you get access to every home playoff game the Oil Kings play. And the more we play, the less you pay. Be there as NHL first-rounders Sebastian Kosa, Katie Gooley, Dylan Gunther, and the powerhouse Oil Kings chase the crowd. Edmonton Oil Kings playoff passes are on sale now. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place. All WHL playoff long starts at just $129 a seat at oilkings.ca slash playoff pass. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, everybody! An old man's talking. This week on the Pipeline Show, we're looking ahead to the upcoming Frozen Four. We're going to talk a lot of college hockey in this segment, as it's an NCAA campus report brought to you by our friends at College Hockey Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family, you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility. Uh, get in contact with Mike Snee or the fine folks at College Hockey Inc. Or check out their uh, website at collegehockeyinc.com. And it'll uh, probably answer a lot of the questions you might have. And if not, get in contact with them and uh, they'll take care of you that way. Uh, my guest this week is Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald. Uh, Brad, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing well, Guy. Hope you're doing well as well. Nah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, the uh, Frozen Four this week, uh, neither one of us going this year. You're, you're there more often than not, uh, so a little mm-hmm. different. Uh, unfortunately, not getting out to, uh, to Boston, but... Uh, you've seen a lot of these teams because a lot of them are from your neck of the woods, whether they're in the NCHC or not. Uh, I, I, do you get to go see uh, other conference games or just uh, whoever North Dakota is playing? Uh, I see whoever North Dakota is playing and then whoever's on TV sometimes too. So, um, you know, Michigan has been on TV plenty this year. And then, uh, you know, Minnesota as well. Uh, so I've uh, seen the uh, the Big Ten teams. Uh, Minnesota State, I haven't seen as much throughout the year, but uh, obviously I was out at the regional mm-hmm. uh, in Albany that they were at, so uh, saw them on pers- in person uh, recently, and um, you know Denver, uh, I see quite a bit of. All right, well we'll get to those four teams in a minute, but we're going to talk about uh, a couple of new teams uh, joining Division One here uh, over the next uh, couple of seasons. First up, it's Lindenwood out of St. Louis or the St. Louis area that they're starting up mm-hmm. this coming season. And after that, it's Augustana in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So not all that far away from you. And, of course, we've got the Seawolves mm-hmm. of uh, Alaska Anchorage coming back. I haven't heard yet 
if Alabama is or isn't. Robert Morris is. Uh, for, is that mm-hmm. is that this coming season? Robert Morris is coming back. Uh, I think it's one more year out. Okay. Well, still a yeah. lot of lot I'm, of uh, returning teams and a, and a few additions as well. So uh, college hockey is growing. Uh, what's your thoughts uh, initially on Lindenwood and Augustana? Um, you know what? Maybe Robert Morris. Is, I, I can't keep all these years together. Some of them are coming in this year. Some of the next year. I'm. I'm feel like I'm losing my mind with it. But that's good. That means a lot of teams are, are coming into college hockey. That's full. right. Um, you know, the, the one thing with uh, Augustana, uh, I, I think that jumps out immediately is uh, they already have their plans to build a new rink. Mm. Um, they've already got their naming rights, which is uh, Midco. It's going to be Midco Arena, which tells me they probably have a TV deal lined up too <laughs> with Midco. They haven't announced it yet, but I cannot imagine that they're going to name the arena Midco Arena and the games aren't going to be on Midco, which is a local cable or area cable provider here. Um, and, and that's a really good start. I mean, if before you even start, you've got the arena piece, you've got the TV piece. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of interest in that head coaching job right now from pretty prominent people. Um, I keep hearing uh, that they're the, the higher that they eventually make, which should be in not too long here, uh, is going to be a, a name that uh, resonates within the college hockey world. All right. So they, they've got a lot, a lot of great candidates, and understandably so. We've seen other teams come in, and that arena is such a difficult piece to get, and uh, they've already got that lined up. Um, and then, of course, uh, Lindenwood uh, out of St. Charles, Missouri, which is suburban St. Louis, uh, they, they play at, uh, they're going to play their home games at the St. Louis Blues practice facility. Um, the vi- very viable rank. It's not on campus, which of course I'm sure they would love, but, uh, hey, it's a, it's a, a nice facility there. Their club team plays there. Rick Zombo, uh, former St. Louis Blues defenseman and, uh, former North Dakota defenseman, uh, is their head coach of their club team and he's going to be overseeing them the transition to Division One. Um, kind of interesting, North Dakota head coach Brad Berry, two of his defensive partners in college hockey were Rick Zombo, who's going to be the head coach at Lindenwood, and uh, Scott Sandel, the head coach of Minnesota Duluth. So a lot of uh, college head uh, coaches there. So, yeah, it's uh, I think it's an exciting time for all these uh, programs coming aboard. Any thoughts about it maybe getting uh, too big? Is it going to water down the talent pool, or is there enough uh, growth in, in hockey, especially in the States, to, to fill out the rosters with uh, with talent? I think the talent is not going to be an issue. I, I think it's as deep as it's ever been, college hockey right now. I think that's why you're seeing upsets in the tournament. Like, you know, it's not even almost an upset anymore. Like when a four seed beats a one, it's mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, it's you almost have to double check which one was the one and which one was the four sometimes because <laughs> there's some pretty good teams in there. I mean, Northeastern with Devin Levi, and that was a four seed this year. Right. Like, you know, I don't think anyone would consider that an upset had they won. So uh, I, I think there is a really, really deep talent pool right now that can uh, spread out. The question for these schools is they need to find a home. Uh, how long can you last as an independent? Are there homes for them? I think that's the, the, the big question for uh, some long-term survival is some of these teams finding a viable conference. Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald is my guest. Uh, all right, let's shift gears and uh, look at the Frozen Four. And it begins on Thursday with two games. Uh, Michigan and Denver is first. Minnesota State will play the Golden Gophers in the uh, late game. The two winners, obviously, meeting on Saturday for the national uh, title game. Maybe we'll start with the early game, Michigan and Denver. Uh, I think a lot of people at the start 
picking Michigan to win it all because they're such an offensive juggernaut and they're they're the number one ranked team. Uh, but there's a pretty good case that it can be made for Denver to be uh, an equal uh, test here for Michigan. They're going to give uh, the Wolverines a, a, definitely a run for their money. How do you size up this matchup? Well, in the preseason poll, I was the one guy who voted Denver number one. There were 50 votes, and I was the one person <laughs> that, that picked them. Uh, I really like their their roster. Uh, I think up front they're they're deep, and, and they have a really good blend of uh, skill on their top three lines. And then they have some guys who are uh, really good prototypical fourth line guys where they play with speed, they play with some physicality. Um, and, and I just think there, there's just so a number of guys that can hurt you on that team uh, offensively. The big question for me coming to the season, their decor is really talented, but it's really young. You know, they're, you know, you can argue their top four D are all freshmen and sophomores. Mm. Um, they've got Mike Benning, uh, you know, Ante Chumisto, uh, uh, Buyam, Shai Buyam, and uh, Sean Behrens, uh, all draft picks, all really good players. But it can be tough to play that position as a really young guy in college hockey. And, and they've held up pretty well. Uh, how are they going to hold up against a really talented Michigan team? That's the big question for Denver. Uh, the other big question, Magnus Krona. In net, he's a big guy. Um, he's been average. You know, he, he, if he's on his game, he can be really good, but he, he can't be average in this game. He has to, he has to be better than that. So I think those are the keys for Denver. Um, you know, Michigan is similar. They're, they're very offensive. They have a number of guys that can hurt you up front. Uh, their, their goaltending has been really good down the stretch. Um, uh, I believe their goaltender was the MVP of the regional, in fact, mm. and and not any of their first round picks. Uh, Eric Portillo, he's a, a Sabres draft pick. So, um, you know, I, I think that they're uh, again on the back end. They're a little bit older than Denver, but still uh, they have some youth there. And, um, you know, I, I think if you're looking at this, you're betting the over on this one because there, there could be plenty of offense. Well, and when it comes to offense, I was surprised by this, but Denver actually scores more than than Michigan. They're averaging mm-hmm. 4.28 goals a game, and Michigan just over uh, four. I mean, it's not a huge difference, but I mm-hmm. didn't expect that the Pioneers were filling a net uh, more than that uh, highly offensive Michigan team. Can the Pioneers push the pace against Michigan? Might we see Michigan play more defense than they've had to uh, for most of the season? Uh, I, I think so. I, I think they're a team, they, you know, they, they're going to want to uh, get on them early. Uh, we saw the last game uh, Michigan played against Quinnipiac and got way up, and Quinnipiac almost got back into that game. Um, and that's not a super offensive team. Quinnipiac's more of a defensive team, so that was a weird game in that sense that Michigan scored a lot but uh, gave up a lot as well. So, um, you know, I, I think Denver is going to – uh, push the pace. They can score. The one big thing uh, is, is Michigan can't take bad penalties against Denver. That power play uh, has been really, really good. Carter Savoy uh, sits over in the uh, the right circle and he can really shoot the puck from from that side. Uh, but they have some other guys that can put it away too. You know, I think um, you know you talk to some people and they might say uh, Cole Gutman's been the MVP of this team. I think College Hockey News had Cole Gutman on their first team, uh, All-American. Uh, but then there's Bobby Brink, who's the Hobie Baker finalist and might win Hobie Baker, and he's the nation's leading scorer. 
he's a guy who's uh, uh, has pretty good vision and can uh, set up guys. Um, you know, uh, from, from the back end, those, those young D, their their strength is the, on the offensive side of the game. So, um, uh, and, and the same goes for Michigan. Michigan's power play is outstanding. Um, they, they can really uh, hurt you if you start taking penalties. And you know, Luke Hughes has had a, a big year from the back end. Uh, Brendan Brisson is the, that one timer he has over in the the right circle has hurt a lot of teams on the power play this year. So. Uh, neither team's going to want to take bad penalties, and I think uh, that that could be a key to the game because both these power plays are so good. I almost get the feeling we should be uh, betting the over on this one. Could be a, a higher scoring yeah. game than the other game, I would think. Oh, absolutely. I, I think there's no question that this is going to be the high scoring one. That um, we're going to see a lot of goals in this one, and uh, if if it's one zero, I will be absolutely floored. I, I think this one has potential to go back and forth and. Uh, we could see a lot of offense in it. All right. The other game is Minnesota State against Minnesota. So you got the Mavericks against the Golden Gophers. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you uh, see the difference between these two just uh, in the in the rankings? I mean, they're both, what, top five uh, teams this year overall? Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, Minnesota's a team that's been playing its best down the stretch here. Uh, Minnesota's a team, historically, if you look back, they've got really – skilled players uh, both up front on the back end and they're the talented team and they're kind of soft and that's been their their downfall is that you match them up with a physical team and that's a challenging matchup for them this team has kind of turned out a little bit I, I I think they've played really well defensively which wasn't their forte sometimes in the past um, I think they've got some guys that can handle the physical game no problem and that they can play the two-to-one type of games, which, you know, historically is not the style of game that they, they like playing. So if this gets into a low-scoring uh, battle, which we certainly could see, I don't think Minnesota is going to have uh, any issue playing that style of game. So it, it's a different – don't get me wrong, they still have the skill up front, um, you know, but uh, they're a team that's able to play the low-scoring game, and they've done that since – uh, Justin Close has been their goaltender at uh, just after semester time here. So, um, and, and then Minnesota State, they're, they're they've been an older team, uh, a, a team that had not won a game in program history in the NCAA tournament until last year, and now they've made back-to-back trips to the Frozen Four. So, I think you've got some guys in this group that uh, are not just excited to be at the Frozen Four. They've already been there, right? And, and they want to get one step further. Experience such a big thing at this time of year. Uh, going back to Justin Close for a sec, that's such a big story this year, wasn't it? With uh, yeah. Jack uh, Lafontaine leaving, uh, turning pro, signing with the Carolina Hurricanes, and then Close comes in, barely played uh, up until that point, and he's been terrific. He's not even he's not that big. He's foot five ten, but he's getting the job done. Yeah, he you know he was a really successful goaltender in the Saskatchewan League. Um, he came there when, uh, Jack LaFontaine had just an outstanding year last year. Uh, he won the Mike Richter award as the best goalie in college hockey. He came back for his fifth year this year and he, he struggled. There's no way around it. He, he struggled a lot this season and, uh, not sure, uh, what happened, but you know, he was not the same goalie he was the previous year. Uh, then he signs with Carolina. Um, they tell him he's going to get into a game, which he does. And he takes that chance. 
at that point, I don't even know if we really knew who the who was going to come in for him because right. they had Brandon Boyton from the Fargo Force who had a pretty good junior career. Uh, and Justin Close, you know, you're thinking Saskatchewan League guy. A lot of times those guys are uh, the third goalies. Well, he was the guy. He stepped in, and he's, you know, frankly been better than LaFontaine this, this season. Um, he, he's played really well. The team has played great around him. Um, but certainly that's been one of the big surprises this year. He's the only Canadian on Minnesota's uh, roster, which is uh, always interesting to see the Gophers uh, never looking really outside their uh, outside yeah. the state most of the time, let alone outside mm-hmm. the country. Uh, 14 drafted players, though, on uh, Minnesota's squad. Uh, and then you look at Minnesota State, only two, and yet they're going head-to-head. And I think a lot of people might even pick the the Mavericks in this game because of what mm-hmm. you talked about last year with the all the experience they got. Uh, on, on paper and casual, you know, just NHL fans will look at that and say, well, it's got to be a mismatch. But why isn't it? Well, uh, so, so in college hockey, um, one way you can uh, change things is by getting older players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might have a, uh, a Matthew Nyes. Uh, he's a bad example because he, he's an unbelievable player. <laughs> I, I should think of some, you know, but you might have a first round draft pick come in at age 18. And he's going to be the guy that gets all the attention. Right. Minnesota State might bring in a guy who's three years older. Now, when the the draft pick is age 21, he's going to be a lot better than the kid maybe that Minnesota State's bringing in at age 21. However, when he's 21 and the other kid's 18, they can be similar ability levels. And so what a lot of teams will do in college hockey is if you don't get the high-end picks – who are coming in generally at 18 or 19, they'll take an older, more experienced player. And that, you know, shades the difference a little bit. And so, and, and nobody's done that better than Minnesota state. Um, you know, I, I think some people uh, look at that, like uh, frown upon that style. Well, guess what? Every team in the country can do what they're doing. You can go out and get 20 year old kids too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just have done a great job at picking the right kids. And a lot of these guys have gone on to sign NHL deals. And an example of one of them will be Jake Livingstone. He's a, a defenseman. He played in the BCHL. Uh, he came in as an undrafted player. And, you know, when he's done, he's going to sign an NHL deal. And, and they've done a terrific job at picking these guys and developing them. And uh, particularly at the defense position, how, how many of these big free agents can you think of going back? It feels like they have like one of these big marquee free agents every year that everyone wants to sign. Mm-hmm. You know, Connor Mackey and uh, Daniel Brickley and uh, Casey Nelson. And now it's Jake Livingstone. So, uh, you know, Hiroshi is another really good defenseman they have that I would guess will get an NHL deal when he's done. So um, they've done a tremendous job recruiting some of these overlooked players and turning them into uh, prospects. And going overseas to, for some guys as well. I know they have a German in Julian Napravnik, who's uh, one of their top yeah. scorers. I know he played yeah. a couple of years in the USHL, and maybe that's where they saw him. I don't know, but uh, if they recruited him from there, or maybe they recruited him in Germany and told him to go to the USHL. I don't know what the case was. Do you? I don't, but I do know they have had uh, unbelievable luck with uh, high-end German players. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, the pandemic year where the season got canceled, Minnesota State was ready to contend for the national title. That, that team might have been the best team they had. 
their top two scorers that year were Mark Michaelis, who is from Ger- Germany, and Parker Toomey, who is from Germany. So <laughs> uh, I don't know who actually who is recruiting uh, their German players, but whoever it is is sure uh, knows uh, what to look for because they're getting some really good players from Germany. The team with the best goaltending is going to have the best chance to win the the Frozen Four, and uh, I think most people would say that's Dryden McKay by maybe a bit of a gap over everybody else. Is that fair? He's he's been excellent. There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, Justin Close has been great as well. So I, I think that's a great goaltending matchup. Uh, you know, Michigan's had pretty good goaltending down the stretch. So uh, honestly, I I think it, the goaltending position could go any way, which way. Um, you know, Magnus Krona, like I said, he he can be streaky. He needs to be on his game on Thursday. Right. And and I think that that might be the big key is if Krona's on, uh, Denver definitely has a chance to win that. Um, you know, the the Minnesota State Minnesota game it could be low scoring. Um. And, you know, Minnesota State's got to find a way to generate enough uh, scoring chances uh, against Minnesota. Last year they did. Um, these teams played to go to the Frozen Four a year ago, and Minnesota State really dominated that game. And Minnesota hardly generated anything. Uh, I would expect they're going to gen- generate a, a lot more today or uh, on Thursday. And, um, you know, I, I think they have some really high-end players uh, up front that can do it. Well, at the start of the tournament, I picked Michigan to be uh, the uh, well, the national champ, but to to w- get to the uh, the final game from that side, I did take UMass though. But it's uh, Minnesota State. I guess I'm going to take uh, Michigan and Minnesota State. Uh, are you a guy who makes predictions? Well, you know, the Denver was the team I predicted uh, what nine months ago, so yep. I can't tra- I can't change that now, can I? Nope. Um, I'll have to stick with it. Uh, you know, like I said, they, they've got that young decor. They've they, they're very talented. Um, we'll see how they hold up against a, a really offensive Michigan team. Um, you know, UMass is, is a good pick, but again, uh, young decor, and, and that can be tough in college hockey sometimes when you have a really young decor, although, although they had that game in, in, in control against Minnesota and, and lost it. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with Denver. I went with them nine months ago. Well, why would I? Uh, you know, change it at this point. <laughs> that makes sense. Half the roster for Denver is Canadian, so uh, hey, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should be pulling for the Pioneers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as well. Yeah, they lo- they love to recruit up in Alberta. They do. Uh, so yeah, a lot of local products. If guys from the Alberta area and Edmonton, uh, St. Yeah. Albert specifically, not just on this year's team, but mm-hmm. over the years uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I let you go, any thoughts on the Hobie? You mentioned uh, Bobby Brink. Is he your pick? Uh, I think so. I, you know, Hobie can be such a stats-driven award. Um, you know, when you compare Brink and Myers, um, Brink has 15 more points than him. It, it's, you know, if it were like three or four, whatever. But 15 is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at goaltending, uh, Dryden McKay, you know, compare him with Devin Levi, his safe percentage is 18 points below Devin Levi. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, if it's five points, whatever it's, you know, but 18 is a lot. And so, uh, you know, I kind of think uh, if you're voting for Dryden McKay, it's probably a career award a bit. Yep. Uh, don't get me wrong. 934 outstanding safe percentages here. Um, but if you just go based on stats, which a lot of times awards are, you know, I think Brink will win. 
the Edmonton Oilers. I said it was the last one, but the Oilers signed uh, Ryan Fanti. Um, yeah. You you get to yeah. see him a lot. Uh, your thoughts on him as a pro? Does he have what it takes to be an NHLer? Uh, he was unbelievable down the stretch this season. Uh, I, I think that's a, a great signing. Um, goalies can be a weird position. Uh, I'm not the greatest at watching a game and saying this guy's going to play in the NHL. And frankly, I don't know if NHL teams are great either because they <laughs> never dropped him in the first round anymore. So they're kind of shooting in the dark too. But he was really, really good down the stretch for Minnesota Duluth. And uh, if, if I'm an NHL team, absolutely I am uh, signing him and, and seeing where it goes from here because he was just he was so good down the stretch and not only making saves he should, but he, you know, uh, he made some ridiculous saves robbing guys. And um, I, I think that's a wonderful signing for the Oilers. Brad, what do you got coming up in the Grand Forks Herald? Anything specific for the Frozen Four? Or is, you, uh, is this off-season mode for yourself now or you got your feet up by the pool? <laughs> I, I wish. Off-season mode, it's like uh, the, the, the start of free agency for NHL. So we've got guys signing pro deals, making pro debuts, some guys coming back, guys going into the transfer portal, other teams getting them. So it's like the, the player movement time of year right now mm. for college hockey. So uh, I'll jump into the Frozen Four a little bit, but uh, we're also covering who's going where in college hockey because uh, the building for next season has already started right now, and uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be hot for the next uh, six weeks. Brad, as always, it's a treat when you're on the show. Thanks for doing this, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Guy. Here's Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald and also uh, at the rink live. You can see his stuff, read his stuff at either location. And um, last week I had promised you that the, the uh, annual Frozen Four Coaches show was going to happen. I actually didn't end up having a show last week. I don't know if you can tell my voice. Uh, I was a little under the weather last week. It was also my birthday earlier in the week. Then I left town and went and visited my mom for a couple of days. Uh, and when I came back, I wasn't feeling well. So it kind of got pushed. But I, before I had left, I had uh, joined the conference call with the four coaches. And that was my intention was I was going to share those conference calls. I have the audio. Unfortunately, I didn't get to take part in any of the uh, conversations with the coaches. I, I don't know how it works. There could have been 50 uh, media members uh, lining up uh, you know, on Zoom with your hand up. Uh, but I raised my hand virtually for each coach. Uh, but actually did not get a chance to uh, ask any questions of any of the four coaches. Uh, so I just felt like, well, that's kind of cop out if I uh, just run the audio and I'm not even in it. So uh, I did not use that uh, this year. So uh, no Frozen Four coaches show this year, which is kind of a bummer for me. But the big wrap-up, the Frozen Four, starts on Thursday. As I had this conversation, it's um, Monday night. And because the show comes out on Friday, but the first two games go on Thursday, I'm going to leave this uh, open to everybody on uh, Patreon. Normally, this would be early access. If you're hearing this right now, this is a gift for you this week if you're not a patron. Patrons get to have this experience all the time. As soon as the interview is done, and I literally uh, got off the phone with Brad less than an hour ago. This is all edited and uploaded, and you're hearing it now. And that's four days before the uh, full episode will be released. This is what it's like uh, to be a patron. At patreon.com slash the pipeline show. You get to hear the entire segment right now. Costs you a couple of bucks a month normally. Even less though if uh, if you do it on an annual basis. You get 10% off uh, for doing it that way. But if you like not having to wait for the interviews, then become a patron. 
Coming up on the show, we have uh, a couple of guests uh, who are tentatively booked. As I as I mentioned, it's Monday. The show doesn't come out till Friday. Some of these interviews will be Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, or Wednesday, or even Thursday, uh, and not all of them are confirmed just yet. That's how we roll here. But uh, a couple of them are 2022 draft spotlight segments. The invites are out. The teams have confirmed that they're uh, talking to the players, just trying to settle on a, a day and a time. And uh, also uh, a member of the Edmonton Oil Kings, a uh, big game. This weekend, boy, the Oil Kings took it on the chin this past weekend. Two losses against the Red Deer Rebels. Both of them are outstanding games. Uh, they get to do it all over again on a Friday night, and it's a big game for another reason as well, and I'll have a guest who will talk about that. So lots to come here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. It's the Blazers, Stankoven, left wing, trying to work around Dory. And uh, Stankoven is shoots! And this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris wow, and Duncan Keith and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Jive Turkey is a little over the line, my man. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and uh, we're going to have a uh, WHL segment. Of course, the uh, Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. If you've never tried it, totally recommend it. You got two locations: one in Leduc, one in Spruce Grove. But if you're in Western Canada, you don't have to make the drive in. They will ship it to you, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Just get in contact with either location. Uh, proud to have uh, Wilhock Beef Jerky as title sponsor here of the Pipeline Show. All right, this weekend uh, coming up, uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, get a, a chance at redemption as uh, they took it on the chin against the... Actually, that's probably overstating it. Two really, really good games, entertaining games against the Red Deer Rebels. That's a good team. Edmonton coming out on the short end of both of those games. But uh, uh, my next guest uh, played in one of them. Wasn't uh, down in Red Deer because he was sick. But uh, Luke Prokop, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Luke, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. I'm feeling a little better. I've, I've been sick here the last week, too. And I know you played in the rematch uh, in Edmonton. I actually called in sick that day, so I wasn't there. Uh, you got to play. But are you feeling 100% or close to 100% now? Yeah, it's still kind of lingering, but yeah. it's kind of getting out of my system now, which is good. Yeah, flu for both of us, for just for the listeners, uh, not COVID-related here for, for either one of us. Uh, all right, let's get to the, what's happened here on the ice, and those are two tough games against uh, Red Deer, but, man, that's a pretty good team. Uh, th- I mean, very much playoff atmosphere-type games, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. They're, I mean, they're, they're a really good team. Um, you know, probably a team that will have to go through in the playoffs. They like play a really physical brand of hockey, and they do a good job matching up against their kind of our offensive talent. But 
Um, at the same time, too, you know, I think we had a lot of guys uh, injured or out during those two games, which uh, which are big keys and parts of our team that uh, helped drive our success. Yeah, yourself, Logan Dowhanek didn't play, Jake Neighbors, Caden Gooley, a lot of guys uh, not in the lineup right now. And everybody, I believe, uh, knock on wood, expected to be back in time for the playoffs. So the team will certainly look a little different going in. Uh, but it's nice to get kind of uh, pushed at the end of the regular season to, to get you geared up for the playoffs. I mean, there's been no debate about or mystery the Oil Kings are going to be in the playoffs. He clinched a long time ago. But playing some uh, tough, meaningful, high-pressure games at the end here is probably a good thing. Yeah, definitely. It helps, you know, it, it helps us, you know, gear up for playoffs, especially playing Red Deer, um, you know, four or five times at the end of our season. There are teams that, you know, don't make the playoffs and, um, not to take them lightly or not to say they're bad teams, but, you know, having some playoff competition and some really good teams uh, towards the end of our season just helps us ramp up for playoffs even more. We'll probably use this interview uh, during our broadcast on Saturday, so you'll be playing uh, the Red Deer Rebels that night. Uh, what's the key to success against Red Deer? Have you found a weakness in them? They, on paper, they've actually got more wins than you do against in the head-to-head this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think something, you know, you know they're a very physical team but sometimes i think they can be overly physical and um we can draw some penalties that way and their you know their aggressiveness we can use it against them to kind of create odd man chances but you know if we play our game and stick to our systems i don't think there's a team in the league that can beat us luke prokop is my guest defenseman with the edmonton oil kings uh, drafted by the nashville predators uh way back in uh geez it seems like a long time ago 2020 uh back when things were still <laughs> Actually, that was the first uh, summer, the first draft with uh, with COVID, right? So you didn't actually have a big draft ceremony and all that? No uh, NHL combine? No, none of it. Yeah, I got robbed of all of that stuff. I know. Everyone did, but that's right. it's okay. Well, drafted by Nashville in the third round back then, so a lot's changed. You've been drafted uh, here on a new team now as well, uh, having been traded from the Calgary Hitmen up to your hometown here uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. What's that experience like for a lot of players uh, maybe a lot of players do get traded or, or will move from one team to another, but uh, usually not guys who are high uh, picks like you are. Uh, what was that experience like? Uh, it was, I mean, it was difficult leaving Calgary. Uh, obviously I'd been there for three years and a bit and I uh, had a lot of friendships there and a lot of memories playing with that team. Um, but I think at the end of the day, as a hockey player, um, you know, I want to go as, as, as seeing as my, career is ending here as well in the WHL mm-hmm. uh you want to go make it as far in the playoffs as you can and give yourself to win a championship and um you know I, me and Calgary worked things out and you know fortunate enough I was come here to come to Edmonton and come back home and it's been awesome here you know uh playing with such great players and um you know I've known quite a few of the guys before um like playing on past teams and stuff so sure. kind of picking back up where we left off and and being able to see my friends outside of the rink, too, and kind of separating the two um, is really important for me. So it's been a blast so far. Well, that's good that you have familiarity with a lot of the guys from your minor hockey days. And how long does it actually take to feel like you're not an outsider, like you belong in that dressing room and that you're one of the guys? Did, did it happen really quickly or did it take, you know, a, a couple of weeks? Um, it, it was different, I think, for, for each guy. But, you know, for me, it was it was probably, you know, two weeks. Um, Jake wasn't there yet, and I had known you know Jake the longest out of everyone on the team um, at that point. Um, so it was just getting getting to kind of know the, the the younger guys and stuff like that. But it was it probably took two weeks, and I was right in there chirping and you know letting guys know the business. 
So when Gooley uh, is acquired by the team and, and Justin sort of uh, is picked up as well, having gone through that experience yourself, do you know how to you know help them get acclimated to what Edmonton is like to make them kind of ease that transition? Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, with Gould's, I mean, we, we've known each other too for a long time and he knew a bunch of the guys too. So sure. I don't think it was as hard for him as it was for Swords, um, especially coming from a, a different conference, not knowing a lot of guys, how they play, stuff like that, kind of getting acclimated to new line mates and chemistry, stuff like that. But um, I mean, they both fit in really well with our group and um, they've been huge parts of our season and, and, you know, they'll continue to be moving forward in playoffs as well. Uh, Luke Prokop is my guest, a member of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, as I mentioned, drafted by the Nashville Predators. Uh, this weekend's a big one, as we mentioned, against the uh, Red Deer Rebels once again. It's also uh, Pride Night. I know that's something that's uh, uh, an important one for you uh, as being the uh, the first openly gay hockey player I was signed to an NHL contract. Is this an event that, or a game that you have circled on the calendar? Is this is this game more special in any way than you know last weekend's games? Um, I mean, it's a little bit of added bonus, I think, um, just kind of a celebration. Um, you know, I guess it kind of celebrates and highlights, you know, people in my community and who I am. And, um, you know, I think my teammates and the staff in Edmonton have been so supportive and, uh, they actually came to the idea with me about the game. You know, they didn't have the pride game already set up, um, at the start of the season, they kind of wanted to do it, to, um, you know, celebrate me and you know what i did what i did in the summer and um you know it's it's awesome and i know the guys are really excited for it too um you know we're expecting a big crowd out there as well so hopefully we can put on a good show does it get i don't want to say tiresome but you know every once in a while do you do you want to just be a hockey player and not the gay hockey player or or is this kind of what you signed up for um yeah it's a little bit of a little bit of what i signed up for i mean i'm the only you know, gay hockey player out there, you know, in, in, in male sports anyways. And, um, it comes with the territory, I guess, you know, if, if there's ever an issue that, you know, arises, that's not global attention, but just in, in the hockey realm, um, you know, it, it's, it kind I get questions about it and, um, I get to a point where, you know, I, I don't do a lot during the season because I like to kind of keep it fresh and, I enjoy talking about, you know, stuff like that and I don't want ever to, you know, get tired of doing it. So that's why I only do it bits at a time. But um yeah, it just comes with the territory, I think. Okay, fair enough. So Luke, since you actually came out, I- I'm curious what you notice on the ice. Uh, do guys treat you different? I mean, chirping is obviously a big part of the sport. You mentioned chirping earlier in our conversation. Do guys chirp you differently than they would have maybe uh, a year and a half ago or two years ago? Have you noticed that? Um, maybe a little bit. I don't think, you know, guys, you know, my generation, they don't like to, they kind of respect, uh, you know, like my community and, you know, they're not very racist or anything like that. It's it's odd that you see someone like that. Um, and that, you know, that they would chirp you about it. Okay. But, um, I mean, I've definitely seen a shift in the language in our locker room, which has been awesome. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Sometimes it it slips out and something, but you know they get all red in the face, and then they look <laughs> at me and make sure I don't listen. Or I, if they do, they even get even more red and come apologize to me. But um, no, I mean I've been I've been treated really well on the ice by opponents, and I've gotten a lot of um, a lot of them come up to me and you know tell me they're proud and um, happy that I can live the way I want to. Well, that's good to hear for sure. Uh, before you came out, how long had you been considering it? I'm wondering about the timing of it. it happened after the draft. 
Did you wait until after the draft just in case there was certain sort of ramifications for that? Um, I mean, I had been thinking about it kind of ever since I got home from Calgary when COVID hit. Okay. Uh, that's when I started coming out to my friends and family and I didn't know if I wanted to go public or not. Um, I had a talk with my agent about it when I came out to them in uh, June of that summer. And, uh, you know, they told me, they, you know, brought the idea to me that, you know, you could go public or you could just keep it private and tell who you want to. And, um, I wanted to go public. It was something I thought of, you know, doing for a little bit, but I didn't really know how to go about it, stuff like that. And, um, it, it crossed my mind quite a bit during that bubble season in Calgary. You know, I got to spend a lot of time alone, uh, in the hotel there. And, um, I got back from, from the season and I sat down with my agent, I think, you know, two or three days later, um, right when I got back and I told him, you know, the plan of what I wanted to do. Good for you, man. That's awesome. And uh, I'm glad that the reaction from what I've seen and what I've read and everything I've heard, it's been pretty positive. I, I haven't heard a whole lot of negativity. You probably have, I'm sure a little bit here or there or something, but you know, from the Nashville Predators, your teammates you talked about, it all seems like it's been pretty positive. Yeah, it's been amazing. I don't think like, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be or how big it was going to be, but it was, it was more than I asked for. And, um, you know, the positivity that I was shown was, was amazing. And I couldn't be more thankful. All right, let's get back to the hockey. Uh, you've, this is your final year in the WHL. You've signed a pro contract. So you're moving on uh, to play professionally, uh, beyond this season. How have you changed, uh, from, you know, when you debuted with the, with the Hitmen a number of years ago to where you are now, where's the growth in your game? Um, I mean, my, my skating and my game sense, uh, was always a, a strong part of my game, but I think that's just increased over time as I've been playing. Um, you know, I get a lot of comments on my skating for being a good skater for a big guy. Um, you know, I don't really like that term. I like, you know, <laughs> I just want to be known as a good skater period. And I think I've done that kind of leading into this season and past seasons, show off my skating ability. Um, and then, you know, I'm starting to build my offensive game. It's still coming and I still think I, I have room to improve in that area, but it's, uh, it was definitely, um, a, a lack of, uh, skill, uh, when I entered the league. When you, when you're this close to, I mean, we're six, seven months away from your playing pro. Is that a risk? Is it almost too dangerous to uh, look that far ahead when you've got lots of hockey here and important hockey? with the Oil Kings over the next three, four, five months, maybe. Do you allow yourself to look too far ahead, or do you not want to get carried away with that? Um, maybe a little bit. You know, I like to – I mean, I just get excited when I think of the fact. I think of it, I think of it as a new opportunity, um, meet new people, play high-level hockey, um, grow my game, uh, and, you know, have that as kind of a platform to – a stepping stone to – you know, hopefully making the National Hockey League one day. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think I got to focus on, on, you know, the season I have at hand right now and, you know, hopefully a really long playoff run and doing some damage. Let's hope so. Luke, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this weekend against the Rebels and uh, the rest of the regular season into the playoffs and who knows what happens after that. Uh, thanks for your time, man. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it, Guy. That was Oil Kings defenseman Luke Prokop uh, looking ahead to this weekend's big game against the Red Deer Rebels. Man, that race, it's not mathematically uh, a lock yet for the Oil Kings to uh, clinch a top spot in the Central Division. Uh, but, uh, you know, they get a win on uh, Saturday, and I think that would officially do it. So uh, it's a big game for sure, not just for that, but 
the Rebels could be a team that uh, Edmonton crosses paths with as early as the second round of the playoffs. If uh, both teams get through, I mean, they're sitting two and three right now in the conference, and that could be it. That would be an outstanding series. Let's be honest. Uh, the two teams closest together, at least from an Edmonton perspective. And it's funny because I like the Rebels. I, I like the organization, you know, going back to when Cam Moon was there. But, you know, I'm a fan of Brent Sutter. I, I really like going to the rank there. Uh, Troy Gillard's a great guy. I really like the organization. But it's a rival for on the ice. It's a rival for the Oil Kings. And it would be so great. The teams would have fans bussing back and forth. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it happens. It would be an outstanding series. Uh, that's a fun team to watch. And if you haven't been to the Centrum to watch a game, I highly recommend it. It's outstanding. Love it. All right, next up, we have a 2022 draft spotlight segment. We're going to get to know a player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. I am scheduled to speak with Jimmy Snuggerud. Great name. Plays for the U.S. National Development Program. We'll get to know him next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Key Flaming, fueled by Willock Beef Jerky. <laughs> Back off to the near side. It comes for Winters. Down low, takes the return. Winters cross rank. Shot goal! Ingram again. Hey, this is Adam Ingram from the Youngstown Phantoms, and this is the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show, which is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations in Alberta, but if you are in Western Canada, uh, you can have it shipped to you, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Unfortunately for my next guest, that leaves him out of the loop. Uh, Jimmy, you can't get any uh, Wilhawk uh, down in Michigan right now. Jimmy Snuggerud is uh, my guest. 2022 draft spotlight uh, gets turned on, and uh, Jimmy is uh, considered by most to be a, a first-round talent uh, this year. Uh, welcome to the program, Jimmy. How are things? Yeah, doing good. I um, just uh, finished up a day at the rink and uh, had a had a good uh, series last weekend against Green Bay, Green Bay and Cedars, so I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, but I'm not up for the draft. I'm not getting uh, prepared to go overseas to, to play in the World U18. So your life's a little bit more exciting than mine right now. But <laughs> uh, the team's playing well. Uh, you won your last, what, three or four games. Uh, you got this uh, two-week or three-week break, though, before you get to play the first game at the U18. What do you do to kind of maintain that sharpness and that, that just getting ready? Uh, lots of practice, I'm assuming. Yeah, so we're just practicing right now throughout this week and next week, and we're in the gym. We're lifting, you know, to peak for that performance over there in Germany. So, yeah, these, these, this week and next week, we're kind of just focused on U18 Worlds, and that's our mindset coming into it. We're we're just really hoping to win that gold medal, and we're going to give it all our all. This show has been around for, this is the 17th season, so I've uh, spoken with probably 100 guys who have gone through the program, and every one of them tells me the World U18 is like, it's like your Stanley Cup. You build to it for two full years. Uh, at the program, uh, I imagine you're pretty darn excited to get over there. 
Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a process the last two years, definitely. It's, it's our goal since the day we got there, orientation camp, and they've 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 set that in our mind just right when we got there. So yeah, these past years they've been a journey, but you know this is what it all comes down to. I know when you've played your international games this year, you've had a lot of success. There's been some some of those tournaments have been canceled. I think you were supposed to go to Switzerland, and that one got wiped out. I think it was the Switzerland trip. But when you're playing internationally, I, I have to think you're you're pretty confident in your ability to come away with the gold here. Yeah, uh, I think our team plays really well, especially on the big ice. I think we're you know a speed team. It's kind of our dynamic standpoint for us. And when we get on that big sheet, you know, if the game changes for us. You know, though we still play our our same game. It's that that speed, that big ice factors in super well for our team. Tell me about your season as an individual, Jimmy. Fifty six points in fifty one games as we're speaking right now. Uh, now you played a bunch of those in the USHL and a lot of against uh, Division One opponents, and then those international games too. But uh, are you uh, satisfied with the season that you've had statistically and and just the the way you've played? Yeah, I think I'm pretty satisfied. I just uh, I think I made a change from last year to this year in my game, and I think you know I tried to put those factors in my game, and I think our, our team had a, a super well season, you know, in the USHL and in, in college. You know, we had one of the best winning winning records playing against Division One teams ever. So I think our team had a lot of success. But yeah, just with my game, I thought I played well with, with guys, and I thought. You know, over the past few years of progress, but you know, our team is we're really looking forward to this this next uh, U18 Worlds. You said you you made some changes to your game. Can you explain what those uh, might be? Yeah, I think my skating was was a change I made in my game over the past summer. I kind of dialed in on that, and I, I also tried to improve my shot and my playmaking ability. But yeah, those three main things is kind of thing I tried to improve on. But I would say one of the most I tried to improve on was my skating. Okay, well, you're one of the top scorers on the team. Uh, let's be honest, there's a lot of really talented players uh, everywhere on the uh, on the U18 squad, but this year, uh, more off more than uh, most we've seen. Uh, what's your role on the team, other than a guy who puts up points? Like, are you uh, a penalty kill and a and a power play guy, or how? Where do you fit in? Yeah, I think I I, I like to play everywhere. You know, the the power play, the penalty kill, wherever coach needs me, I just try to try to be in that situation at that that time you know whether it's like i said pk or power play but i think i'm just a competitive forward i love to be a dog and a bone and just you know work for the puck whenever i can and settle my linemates are you a winger or are you in the middle i'm a winger currently right now so i played center in the past but yeah right now i'm a winger okay i know you're a right-handed shot but does that mean you're on the right side or are you playing on your off wing i'm playing on the right side okay and comfortable there yeah, I love it there. I think I didn't really play wing as much growing up, but once I kind of adapted it these past two years, I, I really like it. Jimmy Snuggerud from Team USA is my guest as we uh, get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft, and that's the purpose of this segment of the show, uh, Jimmy. This The Pipeline shows a junior and college hockey show, so my regular listeners will know about the program and what it's all about, and they'll know where you're going to college, but There'll be a lot of uh, casual NHL fans who listen to a segment like this just because you're a draft-eligible player. They might not watch junior or college hockey at all, uh, so they might not have any idea who you are, but they want all the info. So for the benefit of those listeners, let's uh, start at the beginning. Can you tell me where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Chaska, Minnesota. It's a small it's a small suburb of Minneapolis, about you know, 18,000, 20,000 people. Yeah, so I grew up there, played Played mites, squirts, peewees, bantams there growing up, and it's yeah, like I said, a small town, so I had a lot of close friends growing up there. I know you got a lot of family that uh, that plays the game. Who got you into hockey at a young age? I would say my dad and my grandpa on my mom's side. So my grandpa and my mom's side also played in the Olympics as well as my dad. 
So those two kind of growing up in the backyard, you know, on the rink, I skated with both of them a lot. They kind of got me into the sport and, you know, wanted me to play since I was two, three years old. So, yeah, I've got to give me a friend to those two. You got a brother and a sister that plays too, right? Yeah. So my brother, he played through high school and then went on to become an equipment manager for some music on college teams. And then my sister played in high school. I always thought she, she could have played after high school, but, you know, she doesn't really brag about that stuff. She just kind of went on and uh, became a teacher. Well, it's uh, just genetics, I guess, for you and your family. Hockey is uh, literally in your blood. Um, ha- <laughs> yeah. Have you always been a forward? Did you, when you were younger, did you try the blue line or even throw the pads on? I was actually a defenseman until probably second year squared. I played a little bit D first year peewee, but that's when I kind of switched over to forward. I wasn't a super raw backward skater, so my dad just switched <laughs> me over. Yeah. <laughs> Can't skate backwards. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a bit of a hurdle for a defenseman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know a lot of guys will tell me when they were really young, maybe you know six or seven or eight, their their team might not have had a full-time goaltender. So everybody, the coach taps them on the shoulder, it's your turn, put the pads on tonight. Um, did you have yeah. an experience like that? Uh, I actually, well, they'd have the, the set of goalie gear and they'd need a goalie. And I, I, every goalie was always a left-handed catch. So they brought the left-handed gear, but I was actually a right catch. So oh. I never I never suited up and played mites because they never had their right-handed catching uh, whatever set of set of gear. Uh, you mentioned Chaska High. I know there's another uh, draft-eligible player this year, Sam Renzel, who's uh, from Chaska. Uh, still, he, he was just playing there this year. And I know high school hockey in Minnesota is such a, a big thing. It's such it's it's almost cult-like uh, how popular it is there. Was it tough for you to leave to go to the program, or is the program just so renowned that you get an opportunity, you got to go? My observation was it was, uh, it was so renowned that I needed to go. I didn't. I still don't miss high school hockey and all that. I think I can't speak for some kids. They love it. They they want to play in the surf tournament. But no, I had the chance to play high school in, in, in ninth grade. I thought it was fun, but I knew I had to excel my game in order to hopefully like be where I am today. And I think yeah, just just leaving high school, it's it wasn't too challenging for me. When did the program kind of come onto your radar? I mean, did you grow up thinking about uh, that's a place I want to go or? Was it maybe in your early teens or something where it started to become more of a reality? I think when it started to really become a reality, it was second year Bantams and then kind of kind of going into high school. It was like, okay, I think I might have a chance at this. And then the Youth Olympic Games came around and uh, Kevin Ryder, one of the, um, he picks a team for the NTP. He was the assistant coach there. So I kind of talked with him over there. And then just being with those guys where most of them made the team, I was like, okay, this is where I want to be for the next two, two years of my life. What's that like moving away from home and and joining the program uh, in in Michigan? It's a few states away from home. Yeah, I mean it's it's a little different just being away from home, just because you don't see their parents and siblings as much. But I think it's so fun being with uh, my my teammates and brothers these past few years. It's been unbelievable. They're basically like a, a new family to me. Uh, we mentioned that you play some of your schedule in the USHL and some uh, against Division One opponents, and then normally you'd play about a third of your games against international competition they're all different sort of challenges do you like do you enjoy one of them more than the others um i would say i really enjoy college i'd ushl is fun and uh well i i'd put international first obviously but I'd, like international is at the top just because you're playing other countries you just throw on that sweater and then i i would put college over ushl just because i think college is like more quickly paced and a little bit less skilled i mean more more physical more gritty I, I like being in that, and, and they're closer games. I just like being in that aspect of, you know, in the hockey rink rather than maybe blowing out a USHL team. But 
Yeah, I think internationals first and college and USHL. I like what you said about blowing out USHL teams because when the, the your guys are playing in the USHL, that that is the case often. I was going to ask you to play it against Division One opponents. Most of those teams are well, they're all older and more mature and and more experienced than you are. So those, I'm assuming, those would be more challenging games too, and that's probably better for development. Yeah, exactly. Like I think, yeah, you 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 got it to a point there. I think that college is just more. You know, it's closer games. I think it's it's more more of a fun, exhilarating game. Uh, the University of Minnesota, uh, the Golden Gophers, they're in action tonight for the uh, Frozen Four. That is your college of uh, of choice. Uh, if, if everything goes right, according to plan, are you there next year? Yep, that's the plan to be there next year with them. And yeah, we're we're some luck tonight, and I think I think they can take it to them, and hopefully hopefully take home, home the victory. All right, tell me why uh, the the uh, Golden Gopher program was the right fit for you. You're a Minnesota guy, and maybe that's the natural uh, course uh, there, but there's so many Division One choices in the state of Minnesota. Why the Golden Gophers? I would say I just I, I like the Gophers a lot. I, I wouldn't say it was because I was from there. You know, I, I liked other colleges. I, I went and saw some, and I, I liked them, but I think Minnesota just came down to a tee for me. I like how the rink's right in, right in the city there. I like how they own their own rink. You can go to the rink whenever you want. I, I love their facilities and just yeah, I think being home wasn't a huge factor for it, but I think just that, you know, their facilities and like things like that and just being being around those guys, it will be fun. A lot of great coaches in the NCAA. Uh, I yeah. can't think of one better than Bob Motzko, though. I mean, the, a lot of great coaches, but he's got a pretty solid track record, too, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he's going to be, you know, a great coach. I, I he, he is a great coach, and I think, yeah, he's going in next year, it'll be super fun to learn from him and, you know, learn what he knows. Jimmy, tell me about the upcoming draft. We haven't chatted about that much. Uh, is it something that you spend much time thinking about? A lot of players will tell me they they try to push that, you know, to the periphery. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to be distracted by it. There are other players, though, and maybe some of your teammates that I've had on the show this year, uh, who tell me they actively look at and see who's got them ranked where, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you? I think I, I'm one of those guys who kind of just puts it in the back of my head and lives every day in, in the present. I don't really look at that stuff much. My my main goal right now, and I'm sure it's all my teammates' goals, is to win the U18 Worlds. And kind of throughout the year, it was, you know, the beginning of the year was to put put the 17s in a good playoff spot and, you know, win have a good college record. So I think, you know, I had goals throughout the year, so I kind of put that stuff in the back of my head. Uh, so if I tell you that pretty much every ranking I've seen has you as a first rounder, maybe a two or three out there that have you in the early second round, does that mean much to you? Um, I think it's it's cool to see that and and hear that. I mean, yeah, it's cool to hear that. And um, like like it's it's obviously nice having having that. And um, and you know, hopefully I can be around that pick. But you know, I still have to work towards those goals. And you know, hopefully it happens. But you know, I I have to work to it every day. The sheet I'm looking at says six foot two, 185 pounds. But that might have been at the start of the year. I don't know how up to date that is. Uh, what are you at now? Yeah, around the same. I might be up to. 188, 188, 186, 187, but yeah. Uh, have you topped out uh, height-wise, do you think, or is, are you still growing? I think I maybe got hopefully another inch. I haven't haven't been to doctor in a little while but to, to check that stuff. But um, yeah, hopefully another inch in me and then add on some more weight over the upcoming summer. For those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play yet, and I'm in that category, can you give us a, a bit of a scouting report on yourself? Yeah, I'm a competitive forward who likes to shoot the puck from many different places on the ice and likes to use my hockey IQ as an ability and my playmaking ability. And I, 
I love to be a dog and a bone. Like I said earlier, I love to be competitive. I love to win. I'll do anything to win. Yeah. But those, those four traits about me is kind of, you know, the way I like to play and the mindset I have coming to the rink every day. Physical guy then too. Uh, I think a little bit. I, that's something I need to improve on my little, a, a little bit in my game is physical stability and then playing the body a little bit more, but I would say kind of. You're a Minnesota guy. Does that automatically make you a wild fan growing up or uh, were you cheering for another team coming through town? I was actually a Penguins fan growing up. I loved the competition with my brother when they played. He was a Red Wings fan. So, it, you know, we'd have uh, when they played in the final. I don't I don't remember a year it was, but right. I love the Penguins. Yeah, but, you know, kind of uh, me and my dad fall a while lot now. So yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of them. They're, they have a super hot team right now. So. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, Jimmy, I appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck at the World U18 and at the draft. And uh, maybe we'll get a chance to chat while you're at Minnesota. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks for calling me. There's Jimmy Snuggerud from Team USA, a future Minnesota Golden Gopher. Had that conversation with him on Thursday before the start of the Frozen Four. We were just getting ready. He was getting ready to watch uh, Michigan and Denver, uh, as was I. And uh, then he uh, mentioned he was really looking forward, obviously, to the Gophers game that evening. Unfortunately for him and the Gophers, they lost. So tomorrow's final will be Minnesota State against the University of Denver. Really intriguing player, though, and a guy uh, I think everybody expects to be taken inside the first round. That wraps up this week's edition of the Pipeline Show. There was supposed to be another 2022 draft spotlight, but that will be pushed to next week. In fact, on Monday. So if you're a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show, you'll be able to hear that interview on Monday. Everybody else has to wait for the full episode to come out on Friday. Uh, the guest that day will be David Goyette from the Sudbury Wolves. He was supposed to join me this week, but uh, the schedule just not allowing it. So looking forward to having him on. Also expecting to uh, speak with a player out of the queue who uh, made a big impact at the uh, CHL top prospect game a couple of weeks ago. A uh, big defenseman. I'll tell you, it's, it's Noah Warren who plays for the Getno Olympique. Fingers crossed. Uh, that one is still kind of in the works, so uh, we're hoping to get that one set up. Of course, we'll have a reaction and results from the NCAA's national championship as uh, the victor will be crowned. I believe next week we're probably going to talk to somebody from Lindenwood University about uh, that program turning Division One in time for next season. And, of course, we'll be getting into the final week of the regular season for both the WHL and the OHL. So lots that we can focus on in that regard as well. So lots we're going to get to next week. Really, really looking forward to it. Thank you to everyone who has been signing up to be a patron here as of late as we uh, get into the postseason and closer and closer to the draft. There's always an uptick in uh, interest from uh, casual NHL fans and uh, getting on board so they can hear the interviews before everybody else gets to hear them, things like that. You do that at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. But that does it for me. I got to get some rest because I got to get over this uh, cold slash flu. Oil Kings and the, the Rebels. Tomorrow afternoon on Saturday afternoon, I want to be there for that one. So I got to get better. That said, get out and watch some junior college hockey if you can so that we can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Until then, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya. <laughs>